welcome to this Good Friday service. A big welcome to those who are joining us online. And the fact is, today around the, around the world, there are millions of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Millions of them taking a moment throughout their day to pause and reflect on the meaning of this day, of this Good Friday. In Genesis 22 verse 2, God says to Abraham, He says, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there. You can slip off, guys. <laughs> Thanks. I'll read again in Genesis 22, verse 2. God says to Abraham, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. The son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there. Have you ever wondered what kind of God would ask a man to sacrifice his son? Have you ever thought about it? Think about it for a moment. In, in today's world, that's, that's crazy, right? I mean, if someone asks you to do that, that's, that's crazy. It doesn't make sense. In today's world, it's like, Madness. I mean, what kind of God would ask that? To really understand what was really going on here, we, we maybe need to keep in mind what the world was like at that time. Let's take a little look at, at the history of religion in, in general. Early humans, over time, figured out, somehow worked it. Out over time, they understood that their survival as a species was dependent on things like food and, and water. And for food to grow, of course, it needed sun and for, uh, it needed water. And of course, they needed to be in their proper proportions. Too much water and the crop would wash away. Not enough water and the crop would shrivel up and die. Too much sun and the crop would wilt. Not enough sun. And the crop would die. And over time, these basic observations of mankind about how the world worked brought people to the conclusion that, uh, that they were dependent on unseen forces that they could not control for their survival. And so the belief arose, and I can say today it still exists. You can go to nations like India and, and Asia and, and see these same practices Today, the belief arose that these forces are either on your side or they're not. They're either for you or against you. And how your life went determined which side you were on. If your crops grew and did well, that was good. If your crops didn't grow so well, that was bad. If your animals were healthy, it was good. If they weren't, it was bad. And so you wanted these forces on your side, these gods and goddesses. You wanted them on your side as it really was, especially in those times, a matter of life and death. 
And how did you get them on your side? Well, the next time you have a harvest, you would take some of that harvest, a harvest, a portion of it, and you would offer it on an altar as a sign of your gratitude. Why? Because you wanted these forces, these gods on your side. So, so imagine what happened when people offered a sacrifice and it still didn't rain. Imagine what happened when people offered a sacrifice and the sun still didn't shine. Or their animals still got diseases or stuff still went wrong. Obviously, they concluded that they didn't offer enough. They didn't offer enough. And so they offered more and more and more. I mean, this is how religion works. This is how religion works. You never quite know where you stood with the gods. This is how ancient religion works. You never quite know where you stand. Are the gods angry? Are the gods demanding? If you, if you don't please them, they will punish you and bring you into some calamity. But then what happened if things went well? What happened if the sun shone in just the right amount so your crops were amazing? What if it appeared like the gods were pleased with you? Well, then you would show them how grateful you were. You would, you would need to offer them some thanks. But the problem is, how would you ever know what you had offered was enough? That's why the book of Leviticus, we, we read the book of Leviticus and go, oh, oh, you know, maybe we've never read the book of Leviticus. You're like, no, I'm staying away from that. But we read the book of Leviticus and go, man, there's a lot of stuff in here. How to do this and like every aspect of life. But you've got to understand how revolutionary that book was. In ancient times, that, 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 that people could understand that, 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 that God had communicated in ways so people know when they're done enough. He made it life clear how to do life. It was revolutionary in its time. But in these ancient times, in these ancient times, how would you know if you'd offered enough? Well, if things continued to go well, you had done. You'd done enough. And if they didn't, clearly you had not <laughs> done enough, which basically ended up with you sacrificing more and more and more, giving more, doing more, because you just never knew where you stood. And in your anxiety to please the gods, everything, of course, escalated. You would start off maybe with a portion of your your crop, and if you didn't feel that was enough, you'd add a goat to the, to the crop. And if that didn't feel like enough, the, the, the sun still didn't shine, the rain still didn't come, maybe I'd add a, a, a bull to that. And maybe one bull is not enough. Let's, let's do five bulls. Let's sacrifice. And, and it would escalate and increase. And you would do more and more and more because you wanted to show the gods you were serious. So the reality is you kept having to offer more. And so ultimately, what was the most valuable thing? 
because you wanted to show the gods that you were serious. What was the most valuable thing you had that you could offer the gods to show them you were serious about winning their favor? And that was your child, your son, your only son. So can you see in this, the, the picture of the story, in the background of it, how, how child sacrifice became a part of ancient religious practice? Can you see how it became a part involved as something that people did? It Because that's where religion takes you. That's where religion will lead you to a place where you would offer that which is most valuable to you. So think about it. When God tells Abraham to offer his son. When God tells Abraham to offer his son. He doesn't argue with God. He, he isn't shocked. He, he doesn't try and debate it. He doesn't try and get out of it. He, 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 he basically loads up his donkey and he goes. And he went. Because that's how people saw the world at that time. On the way to Moriah, the place that God had told them to go, Isaac asked his father, Abraham, he's like, Dad, in Genesis 22 verse 7, the, the, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb. If you know the story, Abraham prepares to offer his son. But he doesn't. Why? Because God stops him. God stops him, and then God himself provides the sacrifice instead. Genesis 22, verse 13, Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead. Everybody say instead. Instead of his son. So Abraham called that place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now back to the original question. What kind of God? What kind of God would ask a man to kill his son? And the answer is not this one. Not this one. This God, can you imagine how revolutionary this one, when all the other gods are demanding, give me your firstborn, give me, the, give me. Can you imagine how mind-blowing this is? What kind of God, all the other gods might ask for your son, but not this one. Not this God. The God of the Bible, the God of the Hebrews, is different. Is different. The other gods may demand your firstborn, but not this God. Think about how mind-blowing 
This would have been for those who first heard this. We, we, we read it now. We can read it in five minutes. We, 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 we don't think about it. But think how mind-blowing it was in ancient times when this story started to appear. The story, of course, starts and appears to be like all the other stories about God's demanding devotion, about God's demanding obedience, about God's who are never satisfied. But then the story takes a, a shocking turn. The, the God of the Bible, the God of the Hebrews, interrupts the familiarity of the sacrificial story. Why? Because this God is different. This God is different. Think about it. This God stopped Abraham killing his son. And the gods didn't do that. Not only did the God of Abraham stop him from killing his son. He goes on to provide a sacrifice for him. See, up until that time, worship and sacrifice was all about you giving to the gods. But for the God of the Hebrews, this became a story about God giving to Abraham. This is a story about a God who does the giving. A God who does the providing. This was mind-blowing. story about a God who doesn't demand anything but instead gives and blesses. And if you read the story, you'll understand at that time, God's like, I'm only just getting started, Abraham. This God isn't angry or unleashing wrath. In fact, he was a God who wanted to bless. Listen, he started going on just after that passage telling Abraham, listen, I'm not just going to bless you. I'm not just going to give uh, for you. I'm going to tell you that every nation on earth is going to be blessed. Genesis 22 verse 18, through your offspring, Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. You know, we often read this story like, wow, Abraham was prepared to sacrifice his son to and for God. What a commitment. But maybe we've missed the point. Maybe there's another point to the story. Maybe this is not just the story of a man who did something radical for God. Maybe the point of the story is about a God who did something radical for us. Maybe that's the point of the story. God who did something radical for man. God provided a sacrifice. For it was in this place that he was first called, of course, Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. And he provided so Abraham no longer had to. And because of that, listen, because of that, Isaac could go free. 
Understand here today that what God did that day for Abraham and Isaac and that he provided a sacrifice. I want to tell you church today, he will do the same again. He has done the same again for you and for me. What he did for Abraham and Isaac and that he provided a sacrifice, he would do again. For you and for me. See, for what we see in this, this story was what we would call a shadow or a type or a, a picture of what God would do in and through Jesus the Christ. As Abraham and Isaac stood on what was then a bare and barren Mount Moriah. How could they have foreseen that where they stood then would be where the great city of Jerusalem stands now? How could they have known that where they stood then that some 1,700 years later Jesus would hang now, nailed to a cross? God himself, Jehovah Jireh, had provided the ultimate sacrifice. And that he gave his own son, Jesus. Isaac asked Abraham, where is the lamb? Where is the lamb? When John the Baptist saw Jesus approaching, he cried out in John 1 verse 29, Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Today on this Good Friday, we remember that the God of Abraham and Isaac has done for us what he did for them. On that same mountain that is now Jerusalem, God the Father provided a lamb for sacrifice in His Son. Christ died our death so we could, like Isaac, go free. So we... You and I can go free. He paid the price so we didn't have to. Isaiah tells us that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised. This Jesus was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Why did he do it? For love. For love. For God so loved the world. 
God so loved the world that he gave. He didn't ask. He didn't take. He, for God, this God of the Hebrews, this God of the Bible, for this God loved the world so much that he gave. His one and only Son. So that whomsoever believeth, whomsoever trusts in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know Him today? This is the God of the Bible. Not a God who takes, not a, not a God like the other gods and goddesses. Friends, are you, you've got to understand the God of the Bible is different. Why did He do this? Because He loves you. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, so that whomsoever, and you might be that whomsoever, whomsoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The worship team come and the communion stewards come. See, some of us are going through our life thinking we've got to offer God more and more and more. Some of us are doing like, well, I've got to pray more. I've got to do this more. I've got to, uh, and you've got to understand for the God of the Bible, the one who we follow, this Jesus, it's not about us doing more. He has done it all. If you would understand that, if you would uh, embrace that, if you would understand that when the Bible says, he who the Son sets free is truly free indeed. It's not a little saying. It's not a little ditty. It is the actual truth of God. Guys, just come and uh, come and get ready. Just come right out. I've been a Christian for a long time. You know my story. You know how, for, for, for me, I could see no hope for the future. As a 20-year-old lost in drugs and messed up. But in a moment in a service like this, That same God who was there with Abraham and Isaac, that same God touched my life. And He can touch yours today. Maybe you're here today and you're weary. Maybe you're here today and you're burdened. Maybe you're here and say, Pastor, you don't understand the weight I have to carry. You don't understand the things that are pulling me down. And, and maybe I don't. I, I, I don't know what every single person is going through. I know there'll be ones here who are 
saying, I just need to do more for God. I want to tell you, friends, I know that, that even sounds spiritual sometimes. I just got to do more for God. But friends, I, if we are doing more for Him so He will love us, do more, but do more because He loved us. Not so He will love you, because He has loved you. If I want to serve God, it's not so He will love me. Not that I can earn, oh God, I've got to do more, because that is where religion will take you. It will demand more and more and more when He has done it all. Come on, somebody. Oh, on the cross on that day, He said, it is finished. He wasn't joking. When He said, it is finished, it is finished. It is the finished work of Christ. The God of heaven provided a lamb. Jesus, the lamb of God, slain. For listen, not just your sin, not just my sin, but for the sin of the whole world. Today, as we prepare to receive communion, we eat the bread that symbolizes His body. We drink the cup that symbolizes His shed blood. And we remember that on the first Good Friday, the Lord of heaven, the Lord of heaven and earth became your Jehovah Jireh. Who oh, down there in the back, he became your Jehovah Jireh. Over to the side, he became your Jehovah Jireh. What do I have to do? Believe. What do you have to do? Trust. And because he provided, because he became our Jehovah Jireh, because this God of heaven became our sacrifice, you and I can be free. You and I can know freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Friend, this is not an intellectual exercise. This freedom it's not, I know this. The challenge is for us to live it. He's not asking for more. He's already given it all. Now it's for us to live in the freedom of that. Not, Listen, not the freedom to do whatever we want. But now in the freedom to serve Him. With a free heart. A free spirit. 
for he made a way where there is no way. He is our Jehovah Jireh. He became on that same mountain. I don't know if you realize that it's the same place, the same mountain. Came out Jehovah Jireh, the God who provided a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus, the Lamb of God, who died once so we can be free. Remember today as we celebrate communion, that this freedom we have is not because we gave our lives it's not because we gave it's because he gave his life for us if you're here today and you're going man I need to know this Jesus how how do you do that just he's just a prayer away what's prayer it's just talking to God if you would just give your life to him and say God I, I choose to follow you today what does that mean just one step at a time Why not today choose to follow the one who made a way? Give your life to Jesus. Even as you come forward for communion, maybe today you're going to say, man, maybe you've been following them for a while and, and, and your, your faith has dried up and you're just saying, God, I need to. I have just become so aware of what you've done. Recommit my life to you this time in a moment the musicians will play and sing a song and when you're ready I'm, I'm going to invite you to come out to receive communion I want you to come out on the right yeah I'll get that right left that's my dyslexic brain That's right. <laughs> come out on your left. As you get ready, come forward. Come from your left and go back on your right. Go back with thankful hearts. Let's stand. Just as you return to your seat after communion, just remain in a place of worship. Stay standing as we'll bring the service to a close. You may come when you're ready.
bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. Today walk from here free. For the price has been paid. It is finished. But for you it just begins. Let's reach a hurting world. For the gospel simply means good news. You have the good news. Go share it.